Welcome everybody to the Life, Death and Happiness Podcast. This podcast is all about real talks with real people. Why? Because some stories just need to be told. In each episode, I will sit down and talk with my guest about how it is to live with an incurable disease or terminal illness. But let me get this straight before we start. This is all about celebrating life. I'm your host, Daniel Cole. Welcome. Welcome to tonight's episode of Life, Death and Happiness, where I have a very, very special guest. A girl slash woman I've known for a few years by now, uh, Erica from Columbus, Ohio. And uh, can you present yourself, please? Hey, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing very, very well this evening. How about you? Not bad. It's a little chilly here for once this year. Oh, what, what is chilly? Um... I don't know what it is in Celsius, but in Fahrenheit, it's uh, the high 40s. High Last okay. I looked, it was 47 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, that's actually pretty cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get used to it whenever I speak to you Americans. So now I know that. Oh, we're getting totally off topic to begin with. But we met in Chicago not so long ago. And I just uh, figured out in the, the room temperature was 65 and that was way too cold for me to be indoor, and I, and I caught a cold while being there. So I know that's not warm at all. So when you say in the 40s, I know that's, that's cold. <laughs> right. It is very cold today, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, can you tell me a little about yourself, who you are and what you're diagnosed with? Sure. Um, I was diagnosed at the age of nine, uh, June 1999, mm-hmm. with Fanconi anemia, Fanconi A, uh, which is the most common group. Ooh, I got that one I, too. <laughs> yes, see, it's the most common. Um, let's see, I just turned 30 this year, about yeah. two months ago. Oh, I forgot to and, say congratulations, sorry. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Um, let's see. Not really sure... What to say? I'm one of the few boring subjects because I luckily have not had any major medical issues. Um, no transplant, no transfusions, no therapies. But I do get sick quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, your standard cold, uh, the flu, I avoid people like the plague. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had pneumonia seven or eight times since I was six years old. Okay, yeah. Um, sinus infections here and there, but overall, other than that, pretty healthy, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Try my best to stay healthy. Sometimes it doesn't work. Oh, like yeah. in Chicago, I, I think at least roughly half of us walked away with something in yeah. Chicago. Pneumonia and cold, so yeah, yep. <laughs> I only heard of one pneumonia case. Is there more than one? I uh, know that Jack, who was in the early episode, he he got caught up with pneumonia after being there. So. Okay, yeah, he's the only one I know of. Yeah. As long as there was no one else. I, I hope not. 
But uh, yeah, that was how it was like there. But you know, you might say that you got you, you got the boring part of the Franconia anemia, but that's also the good part. I mean, you have not... I did, yes. I mean, I agree. most people would prefer not to go through bone marrow transplantation, stem cell transplantation, whatever we want to call it, and all the rest of the things. But I know it still have had a big impact on your life, right? Um, I would say it, it did for sure. Um, other than getting the very light side of just your standard illnesses throughout the seasons, um, I am short. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the average height in the world is, but um, in uh, U.S. measurements, mm-hmm. I am five foot, almost one inch. Mm-hmm. I'm holding on to that almost one inch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so pretty short. Uh, all my peers were at least a couple inches, if not a couple feet taller than me. So there was a lot of the the short and troll jokes going around, but... Uh, I turned that into my favor. Mm-hmm. How, how did you do uh, that? I, well, so I've got a grandpa who is not my biological grandpa, mm-hmm. but he's been there since before I was born. And ever since I could talk, he and I would just always call each other short jokes. Uh, so he's my, my troll grandpa, my short stack, my half pint. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I would just go back and forth with that witter, and we were just—I don't know—we just eliminated all the short jokes and all the problems mm. from outside influences because he's actually Portuguese, so he's not much taller than I am. Ah, but you know that's a good thing making those kind of jokes because it can't really uh, hurt your feelings so much when you know some better jokes yourself. Than what people can come up with. I mean. Agreed. Very much so. Um, so on the side of being short. Um, I have the. Uh, I forget the medical term for them. But everyone always called them baby thumbs. Mm. So I'm missing either one or two bones in my thumbs. Both of them. Not just one. I've never actually gotten to see my x-rays for some reason. Even though I've had plenty done. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of jokes about, you know, my thumbs and how I hold things. So my index finger doubles as my thumb and my index finger, uh, my middle fingers, obviously that one, as well as my index at times. And so kids just kind of made fun of me for how I did things and how I held things. And I actually had one or two family members tell me that if I did not hold my silverware correctly, that I could not eat in their house. What? Yes. What did you do when you were finished beating them? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, I didn't have to, and it got really eerily quiet because oh, yeah. Mama Bear broke out. Oh, oh shit! My mom, just cool as a cucumber, said, "You and I are going to go talk right now." They went into another room and. The whole house was dead quiet, so I can only assume that she did that whisper yell. Oh. You know, mama bears when uh, they break oh, out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They can say, oh, it's much better than yelling. The way they can yes. look at you and you can just hear the animosity in their voice and be like, don't you ever dare do that again. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So after that incident, uh, that family member never said anything again. Oh, at least that's something. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you got diagnosed nine year when you were nine years old, and uh, how did your family react to this, and how did you react to it back then? Um, I was nine, mm-hmm. so I kind of didn't react at all that first day of being diagnosed. Uh, my mom and stepdad drove, obviously with me in the back seat. I couldn't drive. Nine years old. Uh, we drove to the hospital, and the doctor told me to wait outside with the nurse or whomever and colored several pages. And then finally they pulled me back in the room where my mom and stepdad were. And I could see immediately when I approached that my mom was crying. She didn't know what to do. My stepdad was trying to console her. And uh, on the ride home, that's when they told me. Okay. So we... Yeah, they immediately, well, my mom, she immediately jumped in head first into everything. She found the doctor. We went and spoke to her. That doctor looked me dead in the eye and said that I would not live past 14 years old. Oh, shit. Yeah. My mom said, nope, found a second opinion. That second doctor said, oh, we don't know what she's talking about. You'll live till at least 21, 22. <laughs> my mom's still not satisfied. She said, another option. So we found a a third guy who actually was, uh, I heard him nicknamed as the grandfather of F.A. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Um, He he retired not too long ago, but Dr. Harris, Dr. Harrison, Mm -hmm. um, he actually did his residency and his training with my mom's dad. Oh, so, so we had a little bit of a, an old family connection yeah. going on there. And he said, those other doctors don't know what they're talking about. You'll live till at least 50, if not longer. <laughs> so naturally, my mom was over the moon with that response. Mm-hmm. We stuck with him until he retired. And we, we've been doing good. And so far, he seems to be right about it. So far, yes. Um Let's see, the other two doctors were pretty adamant about me having a bone marrow transplant mm-hmm. right then, shortly after diagnosis. And I, I'm not sure how much information was available at the time, mm-hmm. but I think that's one thing that scared my mom in a good way into finding me a knowledge doctor. Oh, yeah. Oh, but it's, it could, it's good that she just didn't take the first answer for the... For the right answer, I mean, she she kept going for other opinions, and I think that's that's pretty important. That if you have some kind of uh, terminal illness or disease, whatever it is, that if you get told that it's very serious, always go get a second and a third opinion if possible. Because sometimes a fourth and a fifth. Exactly, because doctors don't know about everything. We we tend to be like, oh, if the doctor says so, it must be right. But, you know, they, they're human beings. They don't have everlasting knowledge, no matter how you look upon it. Oh, I agree. Especially in today's society, um, we see, I'm going to go a little off topic here, mm-hmm. but since we, we focus so much on getting an education and getting higher and higher and degrees upon degrees, uh, just because you have 
a degree in whatever field or however many degrees in that field does not make you an expert, unfortunately. No. Nope. Um, my sister has two masters of business degrees. She's doing excellent, but they want her to have the experience and not the education. Mm-hmm. So there, there's her position. And then my mom's dad, he is a ENT MD. So he spent a little extra time getting that extra education. And I'm thankful that he did because I don't have to wait for my primary care physician to give me my test results. I can go to him as soon as it's uploaded onto, uh, it's called my chart. Mm-hmm. So, so all my results come in and I actually sometimes get my results before my doctors do. Oh, nice. Yeah. And his dad was actually a doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, like when they did house calls, that's what he did. He would go to your home diagnose you and treat you mm-hmm. it's, it's a very so good thing to have somebody in your family to help you out with these results because I have, it does. I've heard from other FAs in America you do have these these apps where you can go uh, go right in and see your test results and we also got that in Denmark just called Me Sundhedsportal my, my health portal or whatever it's called in English mm-hmm. so I can also go in and, and actually see the test results but I don't know the meaning of them So I feel you're in a very, very good position that you actually have somebody close to you to ask. It was um, not this past meeting, but the meeting before in California, I want to say, when some of the adults would go in to see and hear the symposium presentations. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of, we sat together and we said, okay, you're going to take the first sentence, I'm going to take the second sentence, and so on and so forth, until we had that whole presentation broken down. Because oh. some of the presenters, as knowledge and awesome as they were for coming and presenting and sharing what they, they learned and they found out, they used some really, really big words. Oh, yeah, they do. So by the time they were finished presenting, we would be like, okay, what did that word mean? And we missed half of their presentation so when we sat down and we broke it up sentence by sentence mm-hmm. we had the whole presentation and we could understand almost all of it I, I'm impressed I've talked to other people about this before me and uh, Egil uh, who's also from Denmark but raised in the US we went to uh, one of the symposium meetings two years ago and uh, I was sitting there for like half an hour and, I was, and suddenly I looked at Egil was like Okay, I'm gonna get out. I don't understand shit of what's going on here. And he looked at me. He was like, "Yeah, pretty much the same here." So that that's where you your workaround was actually a great idea because it's so difficult to understand a lot of it for people who have never been something like this. Try to imagine like a couple of hundred doctors and scientists, scientific people from around the world gathered in one room discussing some topics. I mean, wow, the language they use, the topics they go through, it's so difficult for us, quote-unquote, normal people to to understand anything. Agreed. And then it, and it's not just the words they were using sometimes. It was unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but their accents on top of it 
sometimes made it even harder to understand. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because in reality, as I said, they are from all over the world. I think most of them are American. But I knew from this year, I met a couple of uh, friends from Brazil, some data from there. I met them in Germany a couple of years ago, and I met them here too. And people from India and, you know, everywhere. So it can be, yeah, we all have each our own versions of English. Us who does not live in either England or the US. And sometimes it can be difficult for other people to understand, I think. Especially when English is not your first language. Oh, yeah. Or your second. Definitely. So, but you have the possibility to actually ask the questions you you need answers to uh, from some family member. That's a good thing. So, back when you were diagnosed and you got the first, uh, you know, you talked about them telling you you will only be 14 and then 21 or... How did the family around you react? How did you talk to your friends about it? How how did everything uh, go with these things? Was it easy or difficult? Um, when it came to friends, I only told one friend. Okay. Because I only had one that I really spent the most time with in and outside of school, and she was actually a friend of my sister's as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... She didn't quite understand it because she was my age at the time as well. So she was more or less, what? You have what? Um, so even today, she still doesn't fully understand everything. But every once in a while, she'll she'll look at me or she'll call me or text me or whatever form of contacting of me. And she'll go, hey, so you're still going to be alive for a while, right? I said, I'll, I'll laugh and I'll be like, yes, I'm I'm doing fine. Uh, there's no end in the foreseeable future unless I get hit by a bus. Well, that happens too. <laughs> no. Yep. <laughs> and then when it comes to my family, that had to have been... Uh, let's see. So my mom and my stepdad, my dad and my at-the-time stepmom... Mm-hmm. my mom's parents, all four of them, because they were also divorced and remarried. And my, one of my mom's sisters was, we were all in the same room, no bigger than a jail cell. So like a six foot by eight foot room. Yeah. Nobody said a word. Pretty much nobody looked at one another, except oh. they all kept looking at me periodically. So it was me, the floor, me, something else in the room. And at the age of nine, you're thinking, well, all right then. <laughs> oh, so, sounds sound so awkward. It was extremely awkward because, you know, when you sit in a room waiting for the doctor about 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, then they finally come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had all those people in that room waiting for somebody to come in and tell us what was up. So... After you got the diagnosis and you got home and you, was there any change in your life at all? I mean, it seems like your oh. count was actually okay, or else you would have been through a BMT probably a longer, long time ago. But did that affect any parts of your life actually then, back back yes. then? Yes. Okay. Oh my God, yes. Uh, 
my mom, they dumped pretty much everything on her lap, right? So she went through all the information that she could get her hands on. She spoke to every doctor she could get to call her back or to speak with her. And turns out I couldn't go near a window without having sunblock on and or the blinds drawn. Oh. I, I couldn't go outside without sunblock or wearing like long clothes and hats to protect my skin. Mm-hmm. She took my hot dogs away. As a nine-year-old kid, <laughs> she took my hot dogs, man. What the? I that, mean, that is just cruel. I, I like my hot dogs. <laughs> I didn't care what body part they came from. They mm. were they were delicious. So there was a bunch of other things that changed uh, along with the hot dogs. She she changed my diet. Me specifically, not my sister or my stepdad or hers. It was it, it was as if she put me in a plastic bubble. Oh. And then when I would go to my dad's house on his weekend, it was the complete opposite. Go outside and play. <laughs> Don't worry about the sunblock. You'll be fine. Here, have a hot dog. Do you want a non-alcoholic beer? And I'm like, really? Yeah, that, that's a big difference. I mean, I mean it was you're a going from, massive difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally from, from left to right. I mean, that's, that had to be kind of confusing, too. It was a little bit. Um, to this day, my dad, I don't want to say he doesn't acknowledge my diagnosis, mm. but he definitely has not been anywhere near as involved as my mom has. My mom still has the records of all my CBCs, my complete blood count mm-hmm. from the day I was diagnosed and even up until last month when I had one. Wow. That's kind of impressive, actually. I mean, you just turned 30. It is. 21 years of uh, CBCs, about every three to four months. Oh, shit. <laughs> now, um, I know she means well when she helps out like that. It's just not something we see that often, I think. I mean, what... When I when I look at you, when 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 we talk and when we are met up at some of these uh, FA adult meetings, you see you seem pretty self aware. You you're doing you're doing fine. You're living your own life. And most people who where the mother is totally in control of everything, is mostly the kind of people who still live at home, still haven't really been out living life yet. They have maybe been overprotective. So I, I don't meet this very often that. I would never have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, she definitely let me start venturing off after, I don't know, maybe five or ten years after I was diagnosed. She definitely pulled back a lot. She she wasn't as overbearing with the sunblock and everything. She, she kind of, she really took a big step back, and it was more on her end, I do believe, that it was, I have to let you live. I can't keep you locked in the basement kind of thing. We did not have a basement, but <laughs> just letting me go out there and mm. explore and make my own mistakes and learn. I think I think it's very, very important because sooner or later, you would have to go out and live your own life no matter what. And I understand why parents want to protect their kids, especially in a situation like this. I do get it, but... As you said, sooner or later, they will have to let go somehow. At some point, 
I, I think we should have a healthy mix. Um, we should have a little bit of the overbearing just to make sure, you know, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not eating what we're not supposed to be eating. All those do's and don'ts. But at the same time, holding back and sitting on the sidelines to cheer us on when we want to do something like even playing sports or driving race cars or whatever our passion is. Mm. I, th- I think we do need a healthy mix. I agree with that. Now, now you mentioned these things, so I'm going to be curious because I don't know. We haven't talked about that. <laughs> Were you doing any kind of sports when you grew up? Um, I, in elementary school, which is grades one through five for us, mm-hmm. uh, one through six, depending on the region, I was young enough that I, I played t-ball. Okay. Um, I played basketball with friends. I, I swam like I should have been a fish because oh. you couldn't keep me out of the pool. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> um, I do kind of slightly have webbed feet, which is kind of cool. It, it helps propel me in the water a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I, I did ask around at one of the adult meetings on if it was just me and my genetics or if other FA adults had webbed feet. And it was actually more common than I thought. Several people actually said, yeah, my feet are webbed or my feet are partially webbed. Oh, I feel kind of embarrassed now because I never learned to swim. <laughs> uh, we it's normally in Denmark that you, that when you go to the public school, then uh-huh. you you will have a whole year where you are having swimming lessons every week. But the hmm. year where we had it, that was the year where I got my bone marrow transplantation. Oh no! So uh, I didn't really. I think I took part in like two months of it. And at that time, okay. I it was just I couldn't get I couldn't stay in the water for more like more like than you know fifteen minutes something like that. Then I would just freeze so much that I had to get up and out of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm living in a country where more than uh, I think it's four hundred small islands. We have so much coast, and here's like everybody can swim, and I can't. It's it's so embarrassing. Well, if you came over here, there's a not everybody over here can swim. It's a good thing to learn, definitely. It can be. Yeah, there's a more and more popular in the last couple of years. There's classes to teach infants how to roll over in case they fall into a body of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually been doing really well out here. Mm-hmm. It's the same here. We are going to to take our son to some of these places too. I think in Denmark they just call it baby swimming. So they will learn how to, you know, yeah, how to be in and out of the water already as, you know, from there about half a year old, you can take them there. So mm-hmm. I will probably do that. I mean, he has to learn to become a better swimmer than I at least. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah, he's gotta he's gotta outdo you in something. Oh yeah, and that's the one thing where it will be very easy for him to outdo me. <laughs> well, it can't be video games. No, no, no. I'm too nervous for that. He will uh, <laughs> have to settle for being my co-op player every once in a while. I mean, I, I'm not gonna be that kind of dad. that will be okay. I'll let you win. Oh hell no. 
That doesn't build up his skills. <laughs> exactly. I agree. <laughs> but on your opposite hand, even uh, when he's only three years old, he can look at me and be like, but I swim better than you, Dad. And in two years from now, <laughs> I will also be taller. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, another short joke. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, got, I got plenty of those, too. I mean, we... For people who do haven't met us, any of us with FA, we are usually very, very small of stature. Um, we're not very tall, and it's very easy to to pick us out in the crowd. In most cases, yeah, all most small cases, people, yes. Yeah, we we do have some FA people who are extremely tall. We that, do, and that's so weird when we we have this um, girl from Australia when. When I met her the first time was two years ago in Atlanta, and I was like, are you sure you got Fanconi? <laughs> I think that was most people's reaction, even though we knew it, but yeah. You should have met... Um, I really didn't see her much or get to talk to her uh, very much at all at the Austin, Texas meeting. Mm-hmm. I believe that was 2011. She did not fit any of the categories for FA. I'm talking, she was almost six feet tall for one. Mm -hmm. And she had no medical issues that she, she shared with us really. So she could be as healthy as a horse for all we know. Mm -hmm. Um, She did share that she's had five children naturally. They're all doing amazing. Whoa. And, she has not been to any other meeting, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she's roughly six foot tall, if not maybe more, is amazing. Oh, yeah. Because I think the tallest male with F.A. is in South Africa. I could be wrong on this. Mm-hmm. Very well could be wrong on this. But I think he was, what, maybe six two. I think you met him. I'm not sure if I met him. I can't remember. Was he? He wasn't here this year, right? Correct. He went to uh, Baltimore, Maryland. That would have been just after Austin, Texas. Oh, uh, I, the first time I came, that was in Orlando. That must be four years ago. So probably. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just getting a little uh, like uh, insider thing, but we have this adult meeting with uh, for people with Fanconi anemia. It used to be like. Every one year, was it 18 months or something between? And now it's each year at least. And uh, since I got into all of this, uh, into this crazy world, I've been to three meetings. But I couldn't do it last year because my wife was pregnant and couldn't really go on a plane. I thought it would be a, be a bit weird to go to the US by myself. Because I didn't know if she would actually pop out the baby while I was there. So I didn't take the chances <laughs> last year. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to stay home. Oh, yeah. Well, we couldn't hold that against you, though. You had a very, very good reason. Yeah, I think that was a pretty solid reason. <laughs> oh, by the way, thank you for the blanket you made for him. Oh, oh you're welcome. Oh. We were so surprised. We are like, oh, thank you. You shouldn't have done that. But we appreciate it so much. As long as it keeps him warm. Oh, it does. And now we're getting into the winter here. So it's much yes. needed. 
<coughs> ah, excuse me. I'm starting to catch a cold again. I just got over it. Oh, that's not good. And then, yeah. That's the life of having FA. Like you, I'm healthy as a horse most of the time. But, you know, it's impossible for me to go throughout a year without getting getting cold a lot of the time. And, you know, the last two years I've had plenty of and uh, pneumonias. Oh, I hate mm. that. Seems like uh, the new thing for me is getting it like twice every winter. It's like, come on. F yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. I don't care how much vitamin C you try to cram down my throat or in my veins, or how much zinc, or how many virgin hot toddies that I drink. Still gonna catch something at some point. Yeah, but but at least I, I mean that's kind of fun. Whenever I talk to other people with FA, we have a totally different definition of what it is to do to be doing okay. If I talk to normal friends, I'll be like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, maybe nothing has been wrong. When I talk to other people with FA, sometimes I'll be like, oh, how, how have you been since we last met? And people are like, oh, I've been feeling so good. Healthier, healthy as a horse. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was like these two small surgeries uh, because they thought I had uh, cancer in my skin. And then there was uh, this knot they had to remove and uh, oh yeah yeah by the way also went to you know then maybe there have been like two three four minor things but mm-hmm. to people they're like but in reality oh that this, this was a good year and then I meet other people from outside our world who hasn't been in a hospital for 30 years to me, yeah. to me that's mind blowing <laughs> I agree. My fiance, I don't think he's seen a doctor in maybe 10, 15 years, but he hasn't had a reason to go in. Oh, it's it's good for him. Oh, for it definitely. is. But I mean, like, I look we, through my calendar. I've had, I still have a few appointment lists. And uh, I think I'm up to 16 this year. Wow. And that's kind of the most I've had in many years. But, eh, you know, it's getting a little boring to go to the hospital all the time. <laughs> yeah, it is. All that waiting. Oh, yeah. Too bad we can't charge them for us sitting and waiting for them. Ooh, I would love that. <laughs> I would be filthy rich with that if that was the case. <laughs> right? Be like, you were late 10 times this year. That means I get a full body scan. Ooh. <laughs> for free and a coffee <laughs> oh oh let me go There's back a... into... yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no no <laughs> keep going <laughs> you could uh, my fiance and I joke that even though I don't know exactly where my fertility level stands mm-hmm. which is another uh, barrier for mm-hmm. those with FA yeah uh, he and I have joked saying that we're going to take our, our two-year-olds at the time when it's snowing. And I forget what culture does this, but it, it makes sense in the long run. If you think about it, it's uh, they, I think they start off at two years old. They have them run outside in the snow and what, at the age of two, you're either in a diaper or underwear. So you're running around for maybe five minutes max and then you come back in. And, but they do it every year. So it has something to do with building their immunity somehow. 
Oh, I think I've seen that on TV before. No, I've seen that. I think I've seen that on TV. But even though I'm from the cold north, we don't do that here. No. On the other hand, we have some crazy people. Uh, it's actually normal in a, a big part of the country that every winter grown-up people go down and then uh, they jump into the sea, the ocean, while it's... Oh, the polar swim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's probably what it's called in English, but it's crazy. I would never do that. Once, yeah. as I mentioned, yeah. I can't swim. Second, I'm not a psycho. I'm, no, I'm, I'm good. I can't do that cold either. I mean, that's just mm. crazy. I know they're just going down and just staying there for a few minutes. But I mean, I like, uh, yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. When you look up on what's healthy for you, it'd be like, okay, if you stay in that water for five to ten minutes, it will kill you. Why would you stay there for three minutes? I don't get that. No, I need a heated blanket now. That just, that's so cold. Ah, we see them every year on TV. It's like, oh, the winter is finally here. And you see these crazy people and they'll be like, oh, I do this because I feel so fresh when I come out. It's so good for my health. But I'm like, no, you're just, you're psychotic. I mean, nobody does that voluntarily. I mean, crazy people. I mean, obviously people do, but I mean, the most, the, to the extent I would do is my equivalent of going into a swimming pool, then getting in a hot tub, then going back into the swimming pool, then getting back in the hot tub. Like, that's too hot and too cold for me. <laughs> How can somebody go and do that in what I can only assume to be negative temperatures? Oh, yeah. That's just... Yeah. These people cannot be sane. I'm, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I know some people that can go outside in like a foot plus of snow, do a naked snow angel, walk back in. I'm talking like moseying, taking your time, smelling the flowers speed, come back in and go, still too hot. Something's not right with you. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you need to get a brain examination at once, okay? This is not normal. Can we also get a neurological scan thrown on top of that? Because I think it's something to do with the nerves. Oh, probably too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. There's some crazy people in this world. Let's just agree on that. <laughs> Agreed. So, you grew up, uh, you knew you had FA, but you didn't have any complications. So, even though your mom mm -hmm. helped you with a lot, was it a big transition uh, when you turned 18 and you had to do all this stuff yourself? No. No? Because as long as my my doctor said that my counts were good, mm -hmm. that I didn't have any severe medical impact on my life, that I was, I was pretty much good. Like, I was making, I'll say, well enough decisions for somebody at that age and in that time. Like, I wasn't going out partying. I wasn't doing illegal substances. I wasn't jumping off of bridges for no reason. Mm -hmm. I, I was making what I can assume to be sound, rational decisions at the time and possibly still am. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really wasn't much. And it, it, like I said earlier, my mom pretty much took a step back and said, fly free. Mm. To a point. I mean, she did try to help me see the error in some of my judgments 
I mean, we're human being. We all make mistakes. Yeah, they never let me live. Never let me live this one down. But I mean, that's kind of her. She needs to, you know, tell tell you you do something to yourself that she doesn't believe will is good for you. I mean, it's kind of that job. Well, I can say that as your son grows up, um, reverse psychology, especially if you do not like his mm -hmm. girlfriend. We'll send, it'll take you so much further other than, I don't like this person. All the no's and the no's and the no's. They should have said yes. And then I would not have been with that person for as long as I was. That's how it works. Because I have I have uh, almost no hair. I shave my hair very often. I cut it down. <laughs> and when I was 18, I was hanging with some dudes that all were... Uh, Shave their heads, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And I came home with this. I don't shave it all off. I have like two millimeters of hair. But I came home, and the first time my mom saw it, she was like, oh, my God, what did you do? What did you do with that wonderful curly hair? You looked so cute. I mean, try telling an 18-year-old boy that he looks cute. I mean, what, what oh, did no. she expect <laughs> would happen? I mean, I've had my hair like this ever I since. Mean, <laughs> maybe had she not been your mom calling you cute but you know like that cute little girl on the other side of the room if she would have called well, you cute would something, it would have been yeah. good but, but mm. when your mom you look at you like that and be like but you look so cute it's like oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> I have shaved my head baby butt smooth a couple times actually uh, I lean my wife when I met her after a couple of years, she was like, I would actually love to see you with, with longer hair. And I was like, nah, nah, you don't you want to see that. She was like, oh, I really do. So I let my hair grow until it was like maybe a centimeter yeah. or two. And one day she looked at me and was like, okay, you, you do not have to do that ever again. And I was just like, thank you. And I shaved it off again. Yeah. I, I would have gone out and gotten some wigs. <laughs> no, back to topic. Um, so with all this, are you taking care of yourself and your own health and you haven't had any troubles? Do you actually have periods of time of your life where you almost forget that you have fungal anemia? Sometimes, yes. And then something like a brick wall just whacks me and I'm like, oh yeah, mm. that's right. What what could this brick wall be? Um, whether or not my friends want to go out and go to a bar maybe and drink. Not supposed to drink. Uh, when I'm looking at, uh, for example, mouthwash. Mm -hmm. And I'll forget for a split second and then I'll see maybe... Um, Either the mouthwash has alcohol in it or it's alcohol-free, but as soon as I see that it has alcohol in it, I'm like, mm. nope, got to put you back. My hot dogs, once again. <laughs> I mean, still love hot dogs to this day, even though I ventured out and tried um, uh, turkey dogs. But it's not the same. Uh, no. no, it's not. There is a definite flavor mm. difference there. Even with turkey bacon... Um, I don't know if it's an F.A. thing or just genetics on my father's side, but eating pork does not agree with my stomach. 
I have no no problem eating pork at all. I eat it a lot. So I don't think it's an FA thing, but I know some other people who have big reactions to it. Yes. Some of us do. Like uh this past meeting there were several of us who had difficulty eating what was um offered for us at the hotel oh yeah uh the last several meetings like i can't eat fish i have the same reaction that i do with pork when i eat fish and almost every meal they have had fish i can i can eat almost anything but i was a bit disappointed the first day this year they found uh, the adult meeting was like my nightmare my personal nightmare all mm-hmm. everything they served except the soup had curly flour in it. I mean, did it? I didn't I mean, even what notice is wrong that. With people, I'm I'm pretty sure that if I ever became a dictator of some small nation somewhere, I would make rules against curly <laughs> flour. It's the only thing in the whole wide world I've tasted that I don't like or not in the in the circumstances. You can't hide that. Ugh, taste at all for me. I mean, it's just terrible. <laughs> right. Anything else? I never. I've tried some weird ass shit in both Africa and Asia. You know, something I like more than others. Okay. But it's the only thing I truly, truly hate. That's curly flowers. And we had like three different things to eat the first night, and it was curly flower, curly flower, and curly mm-hmm. flowers. Like, well, thank you guys. <laughs> Guess I'll go outside and find some. It was some very good potato soup I got, but that. Oh my god! It was potato soup with bacon. Can't go wrong with that. But Mm, yes, Mm -mm. there there was definitely cheese in that recipe too. But you know, so soup is not really food; it's just a snack. (laughs) I will agree. Agree to disagree on that, (laughs) sir. Most people would. It depends on the soup. Don't get me wrong. Like the the chicken noodle soup you buy at the store that's geared more towards kids. Yeah, that's not a meal. But something that's like a a, a stew or the baked potato soup or the clam chowder, those are a little bit more along the line of could be a meal and not then, just then a we snack. Getting closer, but it's not. It, you can never compare that to a real meal. Hmm. You gotta. It's gotta be hearty. It's gotta be filling, and it's gotta be oh, heavy. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm stupid like that. No, just mean. I, I love the taste of soups, a lot of them, but mm-hmm. it does. I'm. I'm not feeling full after I ate it. I always need something else beside it. Are you having a uh, a baguette with your soup by Sometimes, chance? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. That, that might be helping to fill you oh, a yeah. little more. Then, then it makes it better. But I still prefer some meat, too. And I know there can be meat in soups, but yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying we can't eat It doesn't make sense to most other people. They'll be like, but soup? I love soup. Soup is a dinner? No, nah, it's a snack. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, now I want some soup. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here being like, I'm hungry too, but it's a little past midnight here, so I'm like, ah, maybe I shouldn't go eat the dinner now. 
it's a bit late for that. A late snack? Yep, yep, a late snack. Definitely, I love that, but I better not wake up the whole house. <laughs> Standing out the... Maybe some oatmeal? Oh yeah, I love that actually. Some oatmeal with milk, just a bit of sugar. Oh yeah, that that's a good thing too. Have you tried substituting sugar with honey? Not, no, I don't think not. Not with uh, oatmeal, no. I tried in uh, under no. other circumstances. You know, normally I drink a lot of coffee, but if I'm having a cold, mm-hmm. I always drink tea. And I always use honey with that yes. because I love that way more than sugar. So it's safe to say you have had a, a form of a hot toddy once. <laughs> yep. Here or there, maybe? I have. Yep, yep. I sure have. So I'm kind of kind of curious because you, you seem like you did a lot of the right things when you grew up. You know, you did. You use sunblock, and you. I mean, your doctor was pretty confident that you would, you know, treat your body well, everything considered. I know that. When I grew up, I know there were some years where I thought I was cured, and that is maybe why I just went out and drank and smoked and did all these things. I mean, isn't it? Did you have any reactions like that? After after you went through some time where you tried to do all the right stuff in life. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, let's see, two years, just over two years ago, um, I a friend and I stopped doing our our weekly routine because, well, she found out she was pregnant and our routine was mm-hmm. not healthy. Um, so for about two years, she and I would go out every Thursday night. And she's not much of a drinker, but she would drive so that I could. Um, so we'd go to a bar, our, our favorite spot, get our favorite pool table, and we would play pool for a couple hours, a few hours, maybe all night. Um, and I, I, I would drink. I would have uh, pints or double shots mm-hmm. of whatever, and because that was my release right there. I could do whatever I wanted. Nobody was yeah. there to stop me. Well, my friend might have been there to stop me with some bad decisions. Who knows? Um, but I definitely had some points in my life where, screw it, I'm going to do what I want. Um, going outside without sunblock? Eh, should definitely wear some covering. Doesn't matter who you are. But just living my life how I want, but living cautiously at the same yeah. time. So I can go out with friends and I can have a drink or two, but I'm not going to drink people under mm-hmm. the table. I'm not going to run up my tab with alcohol. Yeah. I mean, it's so different what I hear from people because when you have Fanconia anemia, you were suffering from a lot of cancers and stuff like that. We all know what's the right thing to do by the book. But in reality, we also have to live a life and have a social life and go out and have fun. And I think it's normal in the Western culture, at least. It doesn't matter if you're in the U.S. or you're in France or Germany or Denmark or whatever. I mean, it's normal to to drink. A lot of people socialize that way. If you go out for a good dinner, there will probably be alcohol involved. 
maybe not in big amounts, but you know, there will be alcohol involved. Surprisingly, yes. And uh, this year for my birthday, my mom and stepdad took me out to eat for dinner, a place that I'd never been to before. And when it came time to ordering drinks, my stepdad had actually not too long before just got back from doing a tour in the military. Uh, so he was gone for a year, but he was driving. So he opted for just a cola and it came to my mom to order. And she made the announcement of why do I always have to be the only one to drink? So my stepdad was like, well, she'll get a drink with you. She'll, she was looking at something. Uh, get get her that. Get her get her to drink that and whatever. So I got a a, a straw, so that my mom wouldn't be the only one having some sort some form of alcohol that night. I wouldn't say that I was peer pressured into it, but my stepdad had a point that I had turned thirty. Yeah. So time to celebrate, and I only had mm-hmm. just the one, so I didn't go crazy on it. It's not like it's not allowed to drink at all. I mean, we make up our own rules. But they, I think, at least I think, that there should be room for things like that. Yes, I agree. We always talk about what is good for you and what is quality of life. And if quality of life for you is to get a beer or a glass of wine every now and then or go smoke something or whatever that might be, I mean, feel free to do it. At least that's how I see it. Because you cannot like build a brick wall around you all your life right i agree and i feel like that it doesn't matter what medical category you're looking at here if it's fanconi anemia if it's aplastic anemia if it's um somebody who's unfortunately diagnosed with cancer it's no two cases are the same and we've had, um, there has have been at least a couple sets of twins with Fanconi anemia throughout history. I, I know of one off the top of my head. Um, one of them is, is healthy. She's had, you know, knock on wood, she's had no major medical issues, but her sister off and on her life, she, she battled cancers. And unfortunately, towards the end, that's... That's what did her in was cancer. So even though they were identical twins, one of them was healthy. One of them had drawn the short straw mm. in life. Yeah, you, you can never you can never know what's going to happen anyway. I mean, it's always about finding the balance. I've said that this plenty of times before. It's easy for me to say I do drink, uh, I don't smoke because I did my part already. I, I only stopped doing these things like five years ago when I got my cancer. Uh, and I've, mm-hmm. before that, yeah, I've smoked my part. I've been drinking a lot. <laughs> and I've enjoyed it. But I know it's not the right thing to do. At that time, I didn't know I had Fanconi anemia still, uh, to my defense. But even if I had known, I still think I would have done these things. Because at that time in my life, I needed that. Even though I did some stupid thing, I'm still around, so be smarter than me, guys. Huh? Guys and girls out there, but you just know, live life at the same time. I will definitely cheers to that, and I am drinking coffee, oh. by the way, so <laughs> oh, cheers. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it's kind of funny that I heard from someone... Uh, 
a Danish actor. It doesn't matter who it was and stuff like that. But he was like, he had stopped drinking for other reasons. Also because I think it was some cancer in the family. It's actually weird, he said. People is more shocked if I walk into a room or a party today and say, and be like, I don't drink beers. I don't touch alcohol. That would get a bigger reaction than if you walked into the same room and said, sorry guys, I've started doing coke. I mean, in reality, I, I don't know how it is in the US. My guess is it would be almost the same. Because it's so built into our social life with alcohol that people immediately take notice mm -hmm. and be like, oh, that's weird. Well, see, that, that's a good point that you bring that up because that's something my fiance and I are trying to figure out on whether or not we want a dry wedding. And it's funny you say that because I've been to some weddings that were dry, that they had no alcohol. And I've been to some weddings that were very, very wet with, for example, open bars. Um, there, there's some people that are very unhappy if you have a dry wedding. And there's some people that just don't care mm -hmm. at all. Even it doesn't matter if it's a wedding. It, it could be a, a birthday party or a barbecue or a celebration of some kind. There, there's always going to be that person that kind of kind of gives a weird look like, you don't drink? Yeah. Really? But I think it's, I don't know, people have been drinking for so many years that it just has become so normal. That seems weird, mm -hmm. but if... I'm not trying to be, uh, like... I'm not trying to say I'm better than other people, anything like that, because I do get why people drink, but sometimes... When I really think about it, it's kind of ironic that we have built up a society where you are the weirdo if you don't mess up your brain with alcohol. Or if you don't participate in whatever social mm -hmm. norm that is. It could be as simple as uh, skydiving. Oh, you're not a skydiver? You're weird. You don't like dogs? You're one of them weird people, okay? Go away. Yep. You don't play video games? What's wrong with you? It's just, it's that social norm. It doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs or whatever. It's just different yeah, groups. If you don't fit in this specific box, then you're the weirdo. It's, I don't get that, but hey, each to them. So... I'm going to change the topic a bit here because we usually talk about okay. what has happened in our life, but also talk a little about the thought of death and losing people. Um, it kind of, too many people have cancer, fanconia, anemia. We often have this stigma about talking about death because it doesn't really feel that great to talk about but I have to ask you how do you feel about death is it from something you're thinking about a lot or is it something that you you know don't really care about um kind of a mix mm -hmm. honestly um just kind of like you're having a good day and you know everything's going right the plants have aligned and Everything literally is just going your way and you're mm -hmm. happy about it, right? So you're not thinking about it. But then 
you find out someone that you know or used to hang out with or a loved one or a coworker that they've passed on due to some illness. And you're like, wow, life is short. So when it comes to mm-hmm. F.A., uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we, we kind of go in threes. Uh, a lot of us do have a very morbid sense oh, yeah. of humor about death, and I, I feel that's one thing, kind of like short stature, we can mm-hmm. joke about it. But it's one of those, it, it's our community and our way of dealing with certain taboo issues or topics, not issues. Mm-hmm. So when someone passes away with FA, I know that uh, other people will celebrate their life in some way. There's some of us that will take a hike or go on a vacation. Some of us will do an art project. Some of us will, they'll take a shot of something rather. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we all celebrate it in our, our own ways. We all mourn in our own ways. So it's just, it it's one of those things, and I hate to say it is inevitable. We all are going to pass away oh, at yeah. some point or that's, another. That's for sure. Uh, it's, it's a state of mind whether or not you choose to mm. focus on death or focus on life. Uh, and just like everything, you're going to have your, your hills and your valleys from one day to the next, you could be on top of the world, and the next day, somebody passed away, and you're like, crap, everything sucks. Mm. And then, within a couple of days' time again, you're like, back on top of the world. I, I th- My way of looking at it is like, I try to give, give myself time to, to moan. And of course, it, it, it depends on how close you are with the people who, who pass away. Yes. Of course. And and some some people will just they have just had a bit a bigger impact on your life. I mean, there's a big difference. I I just lost a friend like two months ago, uh, who I've known for twenty eight years. Of course, of course, that means more to me, and that you know, I get a lot more emotion. Uh, wise regarding that than if it's somebody I've only known for like six months. I mean, yeah. The thing is that when you have Franconia and and you stay in that community, you will lose friends. I'm not trying to. Left and right. It it will happen, and it will happen way more often than any of us like. Agreed. The the thing I've noticed over the years is, and it kind of scares me a little bit, that it's easier and easier to move on. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, that kind of like how I said that goes into the morbidity, if that's even a word, honestly, um, of, of F.A. and death. It's, I don't want to say you get used to it or you get accustomed to people passing, but that goes hand in hand with it's easier to to move on from it. And it kind of... It, as you mentioned, there's good days and bad days. On good days, I'm more like, but it's only natural because when you meet death so often, when people around you passes away this often, if you are to stay sane in the end, you need to figure out how to um, how to deal with it. I mean, 
as you mentioned, you can go on a hike. You can, you need to do something for yourself to, you know, to just be able to live your normal di- life. So I think that's the exactly that's what I mostly do. On the bad days, on the other hand, it can really scare the living crap out of me. Pardon my language. That I, when I discover how quote unquote easy it has gotten now to to keep moving and you know put away all the the negative thoughts and all the the pain but in reality we all know that everybody's gonna leave someday and that's all right and we just have to figure out how to deal with it but a part of me still think it's kind of sad that i've gotten almost too good at moving on when we lose somebody it shouldn't be yes. like that for anybody. It shouldn't. Um, and that, that kind of goes with getting used to mm. everything. Um, whether you're you're just now diagnosed or you've known your whole life. Mm. And it's when you make friends. Hmm. I don't want to say you can expect them to die or you're playing Russian roulette with them or as the celebrity death pool goes, which is a little weird. Um, do you, you make friends because you want to grow and learn things and share things with them. So you do learn in a way from their oh, passing. I mean, there's nothing like Somebody you know passing away from something like a mouth cancer to to teach you to actually go scan your mouth a little more often. I mean, and I think that's only natural for us because, I mean, most of us, we would just like to live a totally normal life and never think about these things. But, you know, whenever something happens, it's, it's a constant reminder of, Oh, you need to go to these appointments too, or these appointments, and you need to get this done. You need to remember to wear the sunblock when you get out, or drop the alcohol. So I'll jump into the the last part of the podcast and ask you. That's the totally opposite question than before. Now, almost before we talked a little about death and how that affects us, uh, but also want to talk to you about happiness. What what is happiness to you, and how do you try to get happiness into your life? Uh, that is a very good question. I know one that the answer is <laughs> for me not always easy to define. Mm. Um, because I have been going to the adult meeting since two thousand eleven. I have met a lot of adults. I have known a lot of adults to have passed. Mm. Um, I, I try to live in the moment mm-hmm. as best as I can and as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So if I know something that brings me joy, for example, kayaking or fishing mm-hmm. or taking a nap with, I don't know, a loved one or <laughs> a pet or just mm-hmm. taking a nap in general. Um, finding something to do that brings me joy and happiness 
So, for example, if I want to go kayaking, but it's raining, mm -hmm. that's not going to really help me. <laughs> not, not so much, no. Um, no, but there, there's other things. So, stuff that I find joy in doing, uh, video games, uh, cooking, hmm. um, talking with a friend or just going over and hanging out with a friend or a loved one. Just anything to keep me busy and distracted, I guess. So uh, crocheting, crocheting and knitting actually helps a lot because uh, kind of with the idle hands, we'll... What's the saying? Oh, I can't think of it. <laughs> idle hands are a devil's playground or something like that. Um, so just keeping myself busy doing something, mm. again, distracted, that helps a lot. In the beginning when I made this podcast, when I talked about happiness, I was like, oh, it's about traveling and doing big things. But I think the more people I've been talking to about these things, the more I, I came to realize that that is not really what keeps me happy. It gives me some great experiences, definitely. But in reality, it's like cuddle up, up with my wife, walking the dog in the evening. That's usually the last thing I do before I go to bed. And now with my son, it's like playing with him, just spending this quality time together. Now that, I think that's mostly what defines happiness to me now. I definitely agree with that, and I, I think it also depends on the person and, and not just their age, but where they are geographically, because mm. we're all in a different mindset at different parts of our life. Yeah. And then when we sit there long enough, no matter what our age is, if we sit somewhere long enough with our own thoughts, we could drive ourselves insane. Yep, yep, pretty much. Or we could become the next philosopher. We never know. I would probably just drive myself insane, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. It happens a lot. I, I'm not. I, some people are good at that. I think it's important to be able to be in your own company and feeling good about that without, without having to have all kind of noises around you. I mean, it's a good thing to be able to just be there, be present with yourself and feel good about that. But I can't do that all the time. Yeah, sometimes it's difficult to do that. That's why even five minutes a day, even if it's just that half hour or hour when you walk your dog at night by mm. yourself, yeah. give you time to think and reflect and come up with solutions if you're having a problem or something. Mm. Just a little bit of time to yourself. Everybody, doesn't matter who you are, have that cup of coffee and just sit down and watch things or think Sometimes. or uh, um, it's called grounding yourself with meditation oh yeah um, I've had to help my youngest brother a couple times the, the the most recent years where his anxiety gets so bad that he'll just sit there and start crying mm -hmm. so I'd go up behind him and I'd start gently rubbing his neck a little bit and I'd tell him look in front of you mm -hmm. five feet tell me five different things and he wouldn't i said okay go to 10 feet then 15 feet and then depending where we are like look in the back of the backyard or across the street or out the window 
Mm. Same thing. And then I have him bring it back to me, but five different objects in that distance range. Mm. So grounding yourself can sometimes help if you're if you're feeling anxious or whatever your emotion is. Definitely agree about that, yeah. You you can never underestimate you should never underestimate grounding yourself. Because I think a lot of us need that when our minds are running a mark and just being high all over the place. Very much so, yeah. Mm. So it doesn't matter how long we've known someone, as soon as we find out that they've passed, you know, whatever our method of coping with it is. Mm. Um, but definitely taking that time to focus on it and letting <coughs> letting ourselves go through the proper channels and letting go. Honestly, it doesn't even have to be about death. It could be a diagnosis or stubbing your toe. Like, okay, why? How do we feel? Mm -hmm. Let's breathe and let it out. I mean, even everyday situations. A stupid comment you hear out in the traffic or when you're down at the supermarket. I mean, there's so many uh, things happen in each of our lives. But sometimes we, sometimes we just need to take that break. And just like cool down, ground ourselves and be like, what is this actually about? And does it really matter that much to me? I definitely agree, especially whatever the situation is. Think about it. Is this going to matter to me in five minutes, mm. five months, five years? No, then it's like spilt milk. Don't worry about it. Clean yeah. it up and move on. Mm -hmm. Agree. So... Life, death, and happiness. Actually, I can't remember if I told you when we were at the adult meeting. I came up with this thought about making this podcast over a year ago. And actually found... Uh, I, I knew that I talked to you about some ideas last year. Mm -hmm. And you were actually the one that was like, then just go for it. Why don't you just do it? And I had a lot of excuses inside my mind. I was like, yeah, but it's not so easy, blah, 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 blah. But in reality, you were the one who gave me the last kick that actually made me do this. So I don't think I've mentioned that, but thank you. Sometimes it takes an outsider to just be like, hello, it's very simple. If you want to do this, do it. Well, you're very welcome. That was at the Atlanta meeting. That you and I sat down and you were telling me about it and running through your ideas. And I do remember telling you, you're holding yourself back. Don't think about it. Just do it. Yep. And sometimes that's all we need to do. So I really appreciate that because I, I'm the kind of person that can overthink things so much that I never get anything done. Well, so. you are an artist. And who's an artist's worst critic? Oh yeah, I've really appreciated that you took your time to uh, to be part of this. And uh, absolutely, and here by the end, I usually ask people if they have any good advice for other people in the same situation. So I will ask you the same, and maybe also include like, do you have any 
suggestions or any advice for people, either people who are getting diagnosed themselves with Fanconi anemia, cancer, or other serious illnesses and diseases, and maybe also include, you know, relatives. Well, I don't know if it's good advice, but um, <laughs> and this could go for any person and in any situation. But when in doubt, stop and think. Because mm-hmm. no matter what the situation is, you might need to stop and think. Yeah, what I'm about to say is, is it going to be kind? Is it going to help the situation? Um, what I'm about to gift to this person, is it going to be appropriate? Mm-hmm. So someone who does not have thumbs, uh, are gloves going to be an appropriate gift? Mm-hmm. Um you need to stop and think, is this doctor the one I want to continue seeing or, or, or do I want to find someone else? I think that's a pretty good advice for most situations. Just stop out and stop up and give it a second thought about what, what am I doing here? What is this about? I like that. That is so simple that even I can actually remember it afterwards. <laughs> oh my, I mean, that's a positive thing, actually. Thank you so much for joining and for being part of this episode and wanting to share some stuff about your life and, and your situation and how you look upon things. Anytime. Thank you so much for joining. It has been a pleasure being your company again, and I hope you love this episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Life, Death and Happiness. If you like this, please do us a big favor and head over to iTunes, Overcast, Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast from and subscribe to us. If you also give us a good rating, it will help us a lot reaching much more people. So I will appreciate that a lot too. Also, you can of course follow us on Facebook and Twitter and help us spread the word through there. My name is Daniel and thank you so much for listening.